Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear from our senior pastor, Pastor Stefan Schlugel, as he brings a message on a Sunday service. Now, the title of this morning's message is uh, Principles of Prosperity. Uh, Principles of Prosperity. This is the second message. Uh, uh, we ministered a message in the middle of December last year. Uh, and this is part two today, and uh, we've got another part coming next week. Uh, uh, God willing, uh, and then we will, of course, start our campaign. So just to reiterate, uh, uh, late last year, we had some wonderful teaching about God's prosperity uh, for us, and Pastor Vanessa was teaching a whole series around the whole uh, you know, transfer of wealth uh, from the hands of the wicked into the hands of the just uh, as is prophesied in the Word of God, uh, and it is to happen in the last days, and we believe we are in the last days. Now, this morning, I want to continue on uh, teaching principles of prosperity, uh, and, uh, and some of the things that uh, I'll be saying today, uh, that I'll be sharing today, will be so obvious, uh, like, oh, gosh, that is just so obvious. Why do we even talk about this? But you know what? Certain things that are obvious to certain people are not obvious to other people, um, and we're also mindful that sometimes if we are not understanding the basic principles uh, uh, of anything, or certainly of prosperity. We can't move on to the advanced principles. Uh, and so God gave me sort of three areas uh, in December last year that I wanted to share with you today. And uh, uh, yeah, so as I said, we could entitle today's message Basic Principles of Prosperity, because what I'm sharing today, it doesn't get any more basic than that. All right, so praise God. So let me just uh, swing into Deuteronomy chapter 28. And by the way, the subtitle of today's message is that God wants to bless the work of our hands. God wants to bless the work of our hands. Uh, you know, we know that God wants to bless our lives. We know that the Bible says we're already blessed, but I want to particularly focus about God blessing the work of our hands. So Deuteronomy 28 verse 9 Onwards, it says that the Lord will establish you a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the people of the earth shall see that you're called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you, verse 11, he will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens to give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless the work of your hand, and you shall lend to many nations, and you shall not borrow. So, uh, a fantastic passage of Scripture here, Deuteronomy 28, the first 13 verses lead, uh, state all the blessings, and then the remainder 50-odd verses speak about all the curses. So we want to stay in the front end of that verse and not get into the back end. <laughs> all right, though it is good to read everything. Uh, so it is very clear from Scripture from all scripture, but certainly from this scripture, that God wants to bless his holy people, all right? And we are the holy people, okay? And, uh, and then for people, and this is what we need to understand, that for people to prosper financially, they must do two things uh, as per the passage of scripture here. Number one, they must produce some goods or they must certainly render some service, 
because that's what it, it describes here. Uh, and then it speaks about the goods in verse 11. He says, God, God says, I will bless you in the increase of your livestock. Increase of your livestock. Um, and livestock, obviously, they had, you know, farm animals, uh, uh, the the early Israeli you know, Jewish society, when they came from Egypt into the Promised Land, they were largely an agricultural type people um, and uh, producing food and, and so forth. And, uh, and then he says, in the produce of your ground, the produce of your ground, again, we are speaking goods. Um, and, uh, and then in verse 12, he says, and I will bless the work of your hands. I will bless the work of your hands. That is service that is being rendered. Now, the two are connected together, but God lists them separately. All right? Um, and so, uh, and if I can use a modern-day term today that everybody pretty much understands, we talk about GST, uh, which is a tax that we have in New Zealand, and it's around the world now. Uh, and it's called GST, speaking of goods and services tax. GST, goods and services. So what that means is that they, governments put a tax on pretty much all, there's a few exceptions, but pretty much all goods and all services that are being taxed. And God speaks about goods and services in Deuteronomy chapter 28 in the first few verses. All right, the goods are the livestock, the produce, um, and, uh, and uh, the services are the work of your hands. As I said, they are connected together, but God lists them separately, and God wants to bless uh, the, the work of our hands. God wants to bless the goods that we produce, uh, if we are producing anything. Now today, there's definitely people that produce goods, uh, that are, whatever that means, whether that's manufacturing or whether that's you know, making something or assembling something, whereas other people just render a service. Uh, whatever profession, whatever job, whatever area in the marketplace that people are involved in, it's either one or the other, or it is both. Um, so in other words, when we think God's prosperity, uh, uh, we need to understand that we must work and we must produce and not just be consumers. Okay? Now, wouldn't that be a great revelation to go across the country and hit everybody uh, in the nation of New Zealand? <laughs> okay. All right. And, uh, and we, you and I, we must, uh, from a natural standpoint, uh, but also from a spiritual sp standpoint, we must contribute towards the national, what they call the GDP, gross domestic product. Uh, now, I'm not an economist. I don't claim to understand all of that. But I do know that, uh, you know, there are economists in our nation that are gauging the health of our economy. They know if the economy is growing, if it's slowing down, or if it's stagnant, or if it's shrinking. If it's shrinking, we are in a recession. If it's growing, we are doing well. All right. And so what they do is they measure all the all the goods that have been rendered in terms of people's work across the nation and all the products that have been produced, everything that has been put together, and they measure all of that, and then they call it the GDP. And you and I, we are called to contribute towards the GDP. Um, Deuteronomy 16, verse 15, God says, Seven days you shall keep a feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses, because the Lord your God will bless you in your produce and in all the work of your hands, so that you will surely rejoice. 
Now, some of the things that I will share today, uh, as I said before, some of you think, gosh, this is so obvious. Whereas some of it could be a little bit challenging to people where they are at right now in, in, their, in their journey in life, in their age, in their stage, and so forth. And some of it is perhaps not immediately applicable to you. But let me tell you this. Uh, uh, I wish that I had understood some of those concepts uh, uh, a bit earlier. I would have understood them better a bit earlier in life. We could have done better. All right, Vanessa and I, you know, we talk about certain things that we, you know, that we said and done and, and, and so forth and things that we believe God for and you know some of that is a bit scary you know you open up your life in this way and uh, and and some people will inevitably get the wrong end of the stick and they will criticize you for it but the main thing is I would like to encourage you today and one thing that Vanessa and I have found uh, uh, in terms of the teaching that we have received early in our walk with the Lord excellent teaching teaching on prosperity and awesome and wonderful stuff. Uh, but one thing that I'm disappointed about is when these guys taught us the principle of sowing and reaping, which is very necessary, of tithes and of offerings, of giving and receiving, it almost sounded like that that's all you need to do and you will automatically prosper. But the reality is that's not the whole story. It's only part of the story. That's why I'm sharing today to give some practical understanding and some practical aspects of what we need to do. Uh, it's because, you see, we need to understand when we begin to honor God with tithes and offerings, God wants to increase us economically. But that increase doesn't always just come with a lump sum of money. It could come with an opportunity that makes a lot of money for you. And if we don't understand that, we have an opportunity before. Say, no, no, I don't need that. I'm believing God. You know, but money doesn't come from heaven. How do you know that money doesn't come from heaven? God doesn't have a, a rocket you know, that you know, ships money from, from heaven to earth and suddenly it arrives and we open up and say, here's the money. And all the money that there will ever be is in the earth right now. Okay? We just need to know how to access it. Okay? It's out in the marketplace. We just need to know how to lay our hands on it. All right? So again here... God speaks about that he wants to bless two things in our lives. Uh, he says, all your produce, uh, in this instance, uh, it was literally produce. They were growing food. Uh, they had livestock and so forth. Uh, but we could say today that any goods produced, God wants to bless that. And he wants to bless us in our production. And then secondly, he wants to bless the work of our hands, the work of our hands. I remember decades ago, I heard a message along the lines of that God wants to bless the work of our hands. Now, this is obviously not limited to manual labor. You know, some people work literally with their hands and, and there's other people that work, you know, with their mental capacity and some people do a combination of both. It doesn't matter. God wants to bless it all. All right. And, uh, and, uh, but here's the deal, friends. Uh, if we don't put our hands to any work and don't produce anything, God's got nothing to bless. <laughs> and that's the revelation. And if I only put my hands to a little work, God's only got a little that he can bless. It's a bit like the same concept when it comes to, you know, sowing and reaping uh, with offerings. Uh, God says, sow a little, you will reap a little. Sow much, you will sow much. All right. Reap much, sorry. Yeah. So, um, 
And <laughs> I remember there was a time when uh, uh, I've said this before, but Vanessa and I decided that with our f- four kids, that Vanessa was going to be a stay-home mom. And I was going to go out and I find the bacon, I bring it home, so to speak, you know. And, uh, and at one stage, I was working one full-time job and a busy one at that. And I was working two part-time jobs because in order to make ends meet, uh, in order for us, for me to be able to feed my family uh, and in, for us to be able to pay the mortgage for the house that we managed to buy, that's just what was necessary at that time. Uh, and, uh, and I think it's good for us to do as the occasion demands. I just cannot believe when I talk to people uh, about, you know, some of the opportunities that are before them. Ah, nah, I don't want to do that. Uh, and uh, people are, uh, uh, you know, without work and say, well, have you considered doing that? Well, no, I've only got two options and I don't want to do that. I'd rather not work. Uh, well, that's a bad attitude right there. Put your hands to anything. And then believe God that things get better, that greater opportunities will open up. I cannot believe that sometimes the attitudes that are that are hindering people from stepping into God's prosperity. Uh, and, and it's just, you know, it's just things that are there. And these things, they need to be removed and they need to be taken out of our lives so that we can go on this journey that God wants us to go on uh, in order to be able to prosper to the degree that God has promised. Because some people see a gap. They see a gap between what God has promised and between what they're experiencing today. And as I say, the gap's not there because God's created a gap. The thing is, uh, you know, God wants to raise us up to a whole new level and, uh, and, and God's not moving. God's always there. He wants us to move uh, towards uh, uh, the things that he's got for us. So, let me speak about uh, the second point here uh, to kind of confirm that for us, work should not be an optional thing. Um, That's why I said it is so obvious. Uh, It is so obvious, but God actually literally commands us to work. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 7 onwards, um, it says, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but we worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Here is Paul, the apostle, speaking to the Thessalonian church, church that he had planted and then he moved on and then he wrote to them uh, to kind of instruct them concerning some things. And he's now speaking to them. He says, he says that I might not be a burden to any of you, verse 9, but not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and we exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Okay. <laughs> now, I don't think you would hear a message along these lines in a hurry anytime soon uh, in, 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 say, in our nation and in other nations because it's very confrontational. But uh, Paul was saying, get a job. Can't get a job. No, get a job. Friend of mine, Scotsman, 
He says, get up and get out the hoose. <laughs> Don't lie in all day, lazy around us. Get up and get out the house. <laughs> get a job. Okay, so that's what Paul's talking about here. Of course, this is not a dick in any way, shape, or form against people who are in between jobs right now. Uh, but it should certainly be a motivation for people who uh, are just not wanting to, you know, wanting to, not wanting to work. So again, Paul the Apostle said that he worked hard so he was able to provide for his own self. Uh, and he says he would not be a burden to others and eat their bread free of charge. Um, and, you know, I was talking to somebody a while back, and again, you know, that sort of stuff can get you into trouble because people just don't appreciate it. But the reality is the working population um, in New Zealand, the working population and people in business are so burdened with costs and with taxes so that we can pay for people who are not working, it is unbelievable. It, it is actually difficult to get ahead for people. Um, and these are just the realities of it. Now, as I say, I'm not here to shoot at anybody. I'm just here to encourage people. But, you know, in God, there is a way to get ahead despite all of that. And that's what God wants to do. God wants to bless. Uh, so look, uh, uh, God might say, look, I know it's difficult, uh, but, but let me help you to get ahead. Let me bless the work of your hands. Whatever you put your hands to, let me bless that. And let me bless the product that you're producing so it does well in the, in the marketplace. And when it comes time to sell, or whatever, that you get a good price for it because these are the, the principles. Produce something and then, or sell your services. Uh, and, uh, and this is part of God's prosperity for you and for me. So he says, and Paul says, he says, there were people in the Thessalonian church who walked in a disorderly manner. And then he specified what that was. He says, they walk disorderly, they do not work at all. So what is that? Walking disorderly, it's not working at all. <laughs> I was say, you know, those messages, they don't make you popular. But we're just speaking about the word says, okay? And, and Paul says the reason why we've worked hard, even though we, we preach the gospel, we could live from the gospel, he says, but no, he says, we wanted to provide an example for you people. So evidently, there were some busy buddies uh, in the Thessalonian church, people who were not working at all. And because of all the time that they had at hand, they were busy buddies getting into other people's lives and, you know, talking and, 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 and all of the stuff that, that goes on. And, uh, and then, then comes the punchline. Paul is just not in any way watering it down. He says, listen, he says, here's the deal. If anybody will not work, neither shall he eat. That's the punchline. Okay, now please note the word will. It doesn't say anybody that cannot work. It says somebody that will not work. Now again, this is not a dig against anybody that's in between jobs, but somehow I think there's something amiss when somebody is unemployed year after year after year after year. Something is wrong with the picture. Okay? Uh, the first question that we need to ask is, will you work? Will you work? <laughs> okay. And, uh, and then giving people opportunities. And sometimes you've got to hold people by the hand and lead them into it. But I think it is commendable uh, when people make every effort uh, to, you know, to be, to be uh, employed, even if it's a job that they don't want to do. Uh, now, in terms of unemployment, I've had times in between jobs when I was traveling uh, 
sort of my work was somewhat seasonal uh, uh, in those days and sometimes I did a, you know, six months here and a year there and then uh, I, I went home again, I had some time off and, uh, and, and so forth and then, uh, but in terms of my time, in, my time in New Zealand, I was in between jobs for, for three days in my whole, how, how long have I been here now? For 45 years. Uh, three days. I lost my job on Friday and I walked into a new job on Monday. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so, uh, so I'm, uh, this is not about sort of blowing my own trumpet or, or, or sort of saying how wonderful I am because it's not about be, me being wonderful. We just, you know, we just believe God that somewhere there's work out there and somewhere uh, I will find it. Uh, and, 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 and if I haven't got the skills... Uh, for that job, I will develop the skills so that I can do the job. Uh, I remember one prosperity preacher, he says, I will always find work. He says, I can pick up a shovel and a broom any day. He says, I might not be able to do, you know, law work or accountancy work or other things, you know, professional type work, he says, but I can do labor and work. And that is a good starting point to, you see, uh, I'm always excited when, when a young person uh, starts getting a job part-time, you know, what they call flipping burgers. Uh, I think that's just so commendable when a young person gets stuck in and develops the the skill of getting up in the morning and doing a job and then going home again and hopefully managing their money well. And you know what they will do in the process, amongst other things, they will learn what they do not want to do for the rest of their lives. Okay? But if you're flipping burgers, don't let me mess up your day. I mean, it's wonderful, you know. But we learn things. Okay, we learn things along the way. And uh, people say, oh, I made a mistake here. Well, you know, every mistake is a learning opportunity. All right. Uh, and so Paul says, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Now, of course, I would not wish uh, to, to say that we should enforce that concept, you know, <laughs> by the letter of the law, so to speak. We, it's a society. We want to help people uh, when they're between jobs, and we definitely want to help people if they cannot work. And sometimes people have periods in their lives where they are unable to work, and there should be a system there to support these people. Uh, you know, in the early days, a lot of that was happening in amongst families. They helped each other. And then, uh, you know, there was other systems uh, uh, in, in, you know, the head in, in Israel to support people. But everybody was expected to work. And Paul said to them, he says, he says I command you uh, and exhort you through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. <laughs> eat their own bread. The, the word quietness here speaks about, you know, the, the, the people that weren't working, they were busybodies. They were getting into everybody else's business, busybodies, you know, talking, going around, sowing discord, doing all the stuff because they had all of this time on their hand. And Paul says, that's not good, he says. He says, God's people need to work, he says, and work quietly, mind your own business and do your own job and then enjoy the fruit of your labor. All right, how many of you are excited this morning? This is a wonderful word. Hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> we could transform this nation with this revelation, I can tell you that. Number three, uh, not all types of work and goods produced pays an equal income. Everybody knows that. But many, sometimes young people haven't thought about that too well. Uh, and as I said earlier on, uh, some of the things that we're sharing today may not be immediately applicable in people's lives, but it would help young people to get a vision. 
all right, in regards to where to go uh, and what to do, and for that matter, what not to do. Um, and so, you know, not all goods, and it's in your outline, not all goods and services are of equal value in terms of income. So what that means is you will get, and I'm just stating the obvious, what you get is you get low-income earners, you get middle-income earners, and you get high-income earners. Why is that? Because not all services are rendered and not all goods produced are of equal, equal value when it comes to, you know, to income. So that means uh, if a young person starts out flipping burgers or you know, you know, holding the traffic sign out on the roads when they do traffic work or whatever it may be, uh, wherever they start out, if that's, uh, say, I don't know what they will get these days, uh, an hour, you know, they talk about minimum wage, I don't know what that is these days, it's around 20, $23 or something, uh, $23, $23.50, uh, and that's what that work is worth. Uh, and, uh, and people say, no, you need to pay me more. They say, no, if you don't want to do that work, I've got 20 other people lining up that want to do that work. So, so that's why when the masses can do the job, the pay will be low. It's like a pyramid, but when, when fewer people can do the job, the income goes up. So if somebody, for example, goes to university, does a degree and goes through the whole study process, say, to become a lawyer uh, or become, say, a professional person of whatever, that will be, you know, when they start charging out their hours at $200, 300 $354, $500 an hour. How many of you see that there's an age, uh, uh, a gap there? Between $23 and $450, there's quite a gap there. Okay, so that's how you get low-income earners, you get middle-income earners, you get high-income earners. So typically, and this is just generally speaking, it's not always so, uh, low-income earners would be the, the, the workforce where they can just put you on a job and you can do it immediately, you know, uh, two hours training and you're, you're on the job. But the high-income uh, earners, they need to study, they need to train, they need to prepare, they need to discipline themselves uh, uh, to get through that preparation work before they can be, you know, uh, become a chartered accountant or, you know, be admitted to the bar as a lawyer or better, you know. And then, of course, we're only talking about professional people. We haven't even talked about people in business. Uh, when, you know, people invest in a business venture, and I want to talk about some of that uh, in just a couple of minutes. That was one of the things that God, um, I felt, gave me to, you know, to share with you. Um, and, uh, you know, in some respects, uh, uh, it, it, when Vanessa and I first started our preaching, you know, we, we didn't have very many stories because we were just young people. And I guess we had stories. We just said, well, our stories are not important. Uh, you know, it's just teach the word and people will catch that. But sometimes it helps people when, when people uh, have a story and a testimony. And, uh, and one thing that we realized pretty soon that we went into ministry, what we call, you know, full-time ministry, giving up my secular employment, getting into full-time ministry. Uh, you know, we've always been looked after well, and I'm not in any way, shape, or form complaining, but we soon realized that this we've we got to find another stream of income here. This is not going to take us where we want to go. All right, so we need to find another form, another stream of income. You know, in the motivational world uh, uh, where they speak about how people can get into wealth creation um, and uh, you know, they teach some of these concepts and some of these principles rather than just getting up in the morning, doing a job and going home again and doing that year in, year out that might not get you where God might want you to go. 
Uh, so you got to look at other things. Uh, you know, in, in the States, they call it having a side hassle. Uh, that's just a term that I read recently, a side hassle, you know, to, if that's what they call it. You know, just start something else. You, you got a full-time job, uh, but you can start something over here. Start small. Uh, uh, whatever you end up doing, doing a bit of part-time work or something, or producing something, or making something, or buying something and selling it. Buy low, sell high, and it produces a little income. It's not much to begin with, uh, but it is a good starting point. It produces another stream of income. Uh, and uh, so Vanessa and I, as we soon realized that this was not, we, we were not going to allow this to be all there is. So we got into a couple of other things, uh, uh, looked at a couple of other options in the early days as uh, the, my full-time job or my part-time job, uh, and sometimes two part-time jobs just to make ends meet. Both, oh gosh, there's, there's a few other things that we should be doing. And we sort of, we, we sort of, uh, we had to kind of sort of work our way into that and, and, and allow the Spirit of God to lead us because as is the teachers that we had, hardly any of them told us, and these are ministers uh, uh, of the gospel and a lot of them from the U.S. in terms of the word of faith, I mean, just excellent, excellent word, excellent teaching. They never talked much about what they did uh, uh, and, uh, and yet they had major businesses on the go. Besides doing the gospel work, uh, uh, a few of them were majorly into property. Uh, and uh, in fact, there's one name that comes to, comes to mind. Vanessa will remember him, Norval Hayes. Norval Hayes was a minister from the U.S. He's actually a businessman uh, that was you know, teaching the word, just an excellent ministry. And he talked about, he was one of the few guys that, that uh, told us that he was you know, investing, that he was doing things, uh, and he was very well to do, uh, had issues in his family, though very sad family circumstances, but financially he did very well. And he talked about, he says, one day he's traveling down, uh, down the road, uh, and uh, there was a piece of property on the side of the road, as there is, <laughs> you know, he traveled through the countryside, and God said to him, buy that piece of land, uh, and he heard the voice, and he bought that piece of land, and he bought it cheap, and he, he, he kept it for some time, and he, he sold it not high, but he sold it very high, so that one deal made him a lot of money. And then, and then he shared that, uh, and he kind of encouraged us. I thought, gosh, you know, there's a few other things that we can do. Um, you know, if other people can, uh, can do a part-time involvement, then we can. We know that the, the gospel is always our main, our main thing. This is, we, we fulfill our calling. But there is some room for a few other things on the side. Uh, I know in some people's minds, everybody's allowed to prosper except the preacher. Uh, but that doctrine comes from devils, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> okay. And... And uh, nowadays, uh, I'm a little bolder these days. Uh, I don't know if I am, uh, but you know, I was, uh, in some respects, when I first started preaching, I was not very patient in some areas. And I think I've grown a bit more patient uh, over the years, but in some areas, I'm less patient. I have no patience for spiritual fools. I just got no patience for it anymore. I've dealt with them over the years, and you know, as I said, pastoring is a real pleasure until you get to the spiritual fools. Uh, and it's like, you know... It's, <laughs> Oh, moving on. I'm being instructed from the front row. All right, I shall move on. Uh, I shall move on. What was the last thought <laughs> that I shared with you? <laughs> okay, so low-income earners, middle-income earners, high-income earners. Wherever you are, I commend you because you're working. All right, and that's commendable. Uh, so... It's up to you if you want to stay where you are, but I think God wants to move us on. 
In fact, we talk, we use the term, you know, going up in the world. When somebody is uh, uh, turning up with a with some of my friends that we meet with once, twice a year, and uh, I got myself a, another vehicle. Uh, it wasn't a new vehicle, but uh, it was a, a better than what I had before. And one of my friends said, oh, it's, it's going up in the world. I said, oh, well, I suppose. Uh, and uh, so, you know, going up, and God wants us to go up. Uh, he does not want us to go down. And it's always good when we go up. <laughs> you know, I've had a couple of experiences where, you know, at one stage I had this income, and then suddenly I had a bit less uh, you know, people don't go into the ministry for making money. This is not what this is about. Uh, but people, you know, ministers are remunerated. But what I had in my second employment and then being reduced down to that, I, was, I said to Vanessa, we need to find something else to do <laughs> uh, besides that. We are very happy to do ministry and, and you know, and, and, and God will bless us regardless. But uh, we need to look at a few other things. Uh, and uh, so let me read from Psalm 115 verse 12 uh, uh, through to verse 14, it says, The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both great and small. Um, May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. So there is an intergenerational blessing waiting to go from one generation to the next generation. It specifically speaks here about Israel, the house of Israel. It speaks about the house of Aaron. Israelites were obviously the nation, the house of Aaron. They were the priests. Uh, and, uh, and then, but then it speaks about, may the, the Lord bless all those who fear the Lord, everybody who fears the Lord. How many of you fear the Lord? All right. So that's, that's us now. May the Lord bless the, all those who fear the Lord, both great and small. May the Lord give you increase. Uh, increase. We could call it economic increase. We could call it financial increase. Uh, it says you and your children. And the thing that strikes me here is it says more and more. Sometimes people say, oh, I got more now and now I'm happy. I don't need any more. But, but don't put a lid on this thing. <laughs> we need to take the lid off. And uh, you see, people that are able to produce an income, or it's typically multiple streams of income, not just one job, but multiple streams, uh, uh, it's when, when their and their family's needs are met and there's more coming, they can help other people. All right? That's why always we say it's not just about being blessed. It's being blessed to be a blessing. The things that we're able to do uh, to help other people when we're really, uh, you know, uh, above the level where we're just, you know, getting by and so forth. Uh, and, and I believe that that's where God wants to take us. Um, so can I say that it is a noble goal and a commendable motivation if somebody wants to get to the top of their income bracket? And furthermore, if somebody wants to move from a lower income bracket to a higher income bracket. So, so in other words, those three, three areas that we talked about, low income, middle income, high income, but there's brackets within that. Uh, 
in terms of the, the pay that people are getting and so forth. And, and, and it's commendable when somebody wants to get to the next level. Uh, and this is where religious devils uh, uh, that lie to people and say, oh, you know, you're just one of those that wants to do the, the Bible. You know, the Bible says, you know, what, those who want to be rich, you know, we're not talking about rich. We're just talking get, being able to pay our bills and being able to put a roof over our head and put some clothes on our back and some food on the table. Uh, in the first instance, okay? Let's talk about rich some other time. And rich is a relative term, whatever that, does that mean. To, it means different things to different people. It means one thing to people in one nation means something else to somebody in another nation. So don't let the religious devil get on you and sort of hold you down, so to speak. So I say it's commendable when somebody wants to go to the next level, whatever that ne- level looks like in terms of their income. And when they're ready to switch from, from say, from the lower income bracket into the middle income bracket, or if they're in, in the middle income bracket, now they want to get to the high income bracket, I say that's commendable. I, I reckon it ought to be celebrated. I reckon we ought, to, we, ought to, we ought to just be completely unembarrassed to talk about these things. In fact, we've always been unembarrassed when it comes to preaching prosperity. We just, we just preach it and we don't care what people think because we know what the word says. We will not be intimidated by no devil, by no religious devil, by no devil of poverty, we will not be intimidated. <laughs> All right. That's why, as I said, as, as we've, pe- we've seen people's lives transformed by the power of God, but it never took place uh, overnight, so to speak, over a couple of months, but over a few years, you can see people where their lives are in tatters. They, they, they're, they're in debt up to the eyeballs. They can't manage, and yet when they settle down and develop a stability, begin to apply the principles in their lives and get a vision for themselves uh, uh, in regards to what's possible. And some people and some ethnicities grab a hold of the vision sooner than others. You know, in some ethnicities, there's a lid on certain ethnicities and they cannot bust hardly through it. Uh, and yet we've seen it. We've seen people bust through. Uh, uh, when, when you dealt with the religious devils and you dealt with the traditional devils and you dealt with the ethnicity devils that are assigned to that ethnicity to keep them at the lower income bracket, when you remove all of that, people can prosper. Is anybody excited? So, three things. I've got questions, a couple of facts, and thoughts to consider. Uh, and then we'll move on to the last point, and then we're done. All right. <laughs> the questions are, what can you do to move you nearer to the top of your income bracket? What can you do today? Um, what can you do today? Um, Sometimes people want a promotion that would bring extra increase, but they're not as diligent as what the boss likes them to be. So the promotion is always just given to somebody else. Uh, and then somebody is not skilled for the next level, so, so they will give it to the one who's taken the time to get skilled uh, skilled up. Uh, you know, there are people, uh, always have been and always will be, people that do night classes, people that do, you know, courses. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've done a few of those over the years to skill myself up uh, in some areas, not, not for income, but more so I'm able to, you know, to do a couple of jobs around the house myself and not always having to call somebody to help me. And yet I still need people to help me uh, because I'm limited. Uh, but, uh, you know, a few of the courses that I've done, they are available, uh, you know, beginning of the year 
year, there is a local community newspapers to talk about some of the night classes that you can do typically in some of the colleges uh, just to learn another skill. Uh, and other people do remote learning. It's like, it's like, what can you do to help you to get to the next level? Uh, and uh, and, 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 and if, 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 if your area currently is maxed out, uh, that you, you know, your main employment issue, what can you do on the side uh, to, to, to create another stream of income? So these are the two questions I wanted to ask. And then, yeah, what do you need to do to move to a higher income bracket? Uh, and uh, as we said, uh, you know, uh, it's just a harsh reality. It's not something that I... I make up, nor do I enjoy saying it, but the laboring type people are in the bottom rung of the income and the, the people who have studied and developed and developed a skill, in some instances, you know, doing an apprenticeship or something, uh, you know, becoming a tradesperson. A tradesperson will always do better than a, a laborer, yet a professional person will mostly do better than a lot of tradespeople, yet some tradespeople do very well. Uh, and... Uh, and uh, so, so what, what are you prepared to do? Uh, and, and, and what are you willing to do? And if you're happy where you are, be happy. Don't let me mess up your day. I'm just asking questions to stimulate some thinking. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've had... Vanessa and I, we have four children. And, uh, and uh, one of them decided that leaving school at 15 and a half was going to ride uh, from our place up the, up the hill here on a, on a bicycle over to the Eastbourne area to start an apprenticeship over there. Uh, back and forth, doing that for several months. Uh, getting up early, and you know, people in the building industry, they, they start early. Well, he had to start doubly early to get that happening. Uh, and yet some people can't roll out of bed in the morning. So, so you can see that there is, why do we have such a gap? This is just the harsh realities. And, and I think as, as the people of God, we ought to be at the top end of this game. Hallelujah, Jesus. And we can get there if we only allow God to lead us, give us the wisdom. And we're talking about discipleship. We're talking about discipling people spiritually. But people need to be discipled financially and in some of the, the areas that we're discussing today. And I suppose this is what uh, this is all about today. So, so uh, the facts. Uh, we had the questions. Let me get, uh, talk about the facts. If all of our income is always used up at the end of our pay period, either our income is too low, our outgoings are too high, or we're squandering money. Okay, there's probably a few other reasons uh, possible, but that's the headlines. Okay, so the money's always gone, and I know what that looks like. Uh, so Vanessa and I were in, in that place for many years. It's like, you know, it's just when you start out when you're young, gosh, you know, I commend young people for working and putting food on the table, feeding their kids. I think it's wonderful, but, you know, typically, unless people have had some good assistance from their parents uh, uh, and, you know, to get them set up in terms of, a, in terms of you know, help buying them a house or whatever, uh, that's where people are at. Uh, and, uh, so, and then in the early days when income is low, it, it just is what it is. Uh, uh, but I've also seen people that, uh, that uh, the money's always gone at the end of the month, yet they're on a good income uh, and they're squandering money. And that's money that should be harnessed 
to help people to get to the next level. Sometimes people are happy on the levels that we're doing okay, but, but that money that they're squandering, if that were put together, that would help them to get to the next level. Uh, is that all right to say that? Um, somebody said, if your outgoings are higher than your income, then your upkeep will become your downfall. <laughs> okay. I heard that's... Say somebody, uh, somebody said that a while back. Uh, and uh, so, but you know, with the cost of living today, gosh, it's not hard to spend money. And it's like, you know, really feel for people. Uh, and so, what, what are the answers? What are the answers? People say, oh, we'll just go to the government and they need to help us. And well, if, if it's available, you know, I'm, I'm all good with that. But God has answers. God has answers. God has wisdom for our times. Uh, and this is part of the wisdom. Uh, that I believe, because it's not the whole message, it's only one message. Uh, it's not the whole story, it's only part of the story. Uh, but I think it's a practical story. And uh, I think it's good to get help young people set them up uh, to, on a trajectory rather than, oh, you know, just uh, what do you expect to do when you leave school? Oh, probably go on the dole. Uh, well, that's not a good starting point. You know, people that have never worked a day in their life and now in their, in their, in their middle years, that's not a good starting point. Um, so anyway, thoughts to consider. Um, sometimes pe people do a certain type of work because they really love what they do, but it does not provide an adequate income. So I don't want to give any examples because some of you might be in some of those jobs, but there's certain, certain industries, certain areas um, that, that could be desirable for people to work in, but there, there's just too many people that can do that work and it just does not provide an income. And if somebody's single and they're happy doing that work and they're happy with the income, it's okay. But it, if there's a family there, it's not fair where somebody is sort of you know, circling around and airs, oh, look, I just love doing this, but they don't bring home the money that is needed in order to feed the family and to help people to get to the next level. So what we must not be confused about is we must not confuse our hobby with our bread and butter. All right, so what does that mean? Well, as I say, some people really enjoy doing something, but it just does not provide the income. So what they should do is that they make that their hobby and find themselves for their bread and butter, which is perhaps not something that is quite as cruisy and as cushy and everything, but it provides an income. All right, so... Uh, um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's wonderful when people choose a line of work that they enjoy. Um, and that's always helpful. You don't want to do some, something that you hate. Uh, you want to do something that you enjoy. But you've got to make sure that it produces an income. Uh, and as I say, certain, um, I'm lacking the word now, uh, the term, certain industries or certain areas uh, uh, in the marketplace are just inherently low income. And, 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 and people that work in that, it's a good starting point, good starting point for young people. But after a while, you want to move out of there and get into something fresh and into something new. All right, very quickly now before time runs out completely. Uh, the last point here, it's point number four in your outline, you need a storehouse. Deuteronomy 28, we're still in Deuteronomy. Uh, in verse 8, God says, I will command the blessing on you in your storehouses. And in all that you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. 
Now, notice the word here, storehouses. So not just one storehouse, but storehouses. Houses, plural. <laughs> and and uh, so in ancient days, a storehouse was basically a building, typically a barn, where they stored the harvest uh, and or where they were able to store excess, uh, store it for a while until it's either used up or store it until the right time comes to sell. Um, and, and, and so forth. But you know, in, in today's uh, terminology, a storehouse could be a venture that you invest surplus funds in. Um, many people that start, say, a business, um, sometimes people just do an investment uh, of sorts, uh, they do that besides their main income. Uh, their main income helps to produce uh, some surplus, and rather than squandering it, they put that aside and say, look, let's put that into this investment here, or let's put that into a, a little business, uh, uh, or let's, let's do something with this and produce another stream of income. You know, if you read uh, books, secular books, uh, uh, though many of them have some good biblical principles in them in terms of how to get ahead financially. You know, one guy, uh, his name comes to mind, uh, uh, or the book comes to mind, it's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's Robert Kiyosaki. It's one of the guys. And there's multiple, you know, people that have written in this area, and some of them are very good. Now, I'm not saying that I read a lot of that, but I have read some of them, and uh, they bring some of the wisdom that uh, people should have. And it's good to get young people started on these things uh, uh, and, and everything, but then it's never too late to learn late. Uh, have you know the Colonel Sanders from KFC? He started very late. And now he's everywhere. All right, he's all around the world. Okay, so it's never too early and it's never too late. Uh, it's just working out where you're at in your journey right now and what does that look like to get to the next level. You want to know if there's capacity there, you don't want that sitting dormantly. You want to use everything to the full capacity, meaning your time, your skill. Uh, I was uh, at a business. Uh, uh, a couple of years ago, just down the valley a bit further, um, and uh, I had my car professionally cleaned. It arrived dirty when I bought it, and I thought, oh, gosh, you know, I'll pay for this. So anyway, I took it to this grooming place, and, um, and I'm all good with groomers. You know, it's all wonderful. But there was a young man there, and I watched him. Uh, I was just really impressed with him. And so and yet by, the, by the time they finished the job, and I was just waiting for them and the way he did, and I said to him afterwards, I says, I says young man, I says, I'm impressed uh, with the way that you're doing the work. But let me tell you, I says, there's more in you. Than, than what you're doing here. I can see that uh, you've you got a skill, you've got a people skill. You got, he says, well, he says, I'm just doing that now to relax. He says, I was the sales manager of a company over there. I'm just doing that now to relax a little bit. And that's okay. Uh, uh, and hopefully, you know, he, he branched out again because, you know, there would be a major income gap between what he was doing and what he's doing now just to catch his breath a little bit. And, you know, some high-income earners, you know, it's, things are not given to people. You know, people have to earn things and there's some very high power jobs to get a high-powered income it's typically a high-powered job but let me talk to you very briefly now in closing um, uh, an investment 
you know, uh, investing surplus funds. They could be investing in a business venture. It could be investing, as people do, in shares uh, and to get some dividends coming out. Uh, uh, it could be investing in some sort of a, you know, sometimes people, multiple options. People sometimes do uh, online trading. People get into currency trading. Other people get into precious metals. There's just multiple things, uh, uh, many of which I do not understand. A couple of uh, things I'm still learning about, but... Uh, you see, a saving scheme, just putting money into a bank account to save, is commendable. It's commendable. But an investment is meant to produce wealth for you uh, rather than just money sitting there. Money sitting in the bank today, uh, um, it's, it's mostly uh, in, unless there is a very good, um, a very good, uh, saving scheme going on, your general bank, uh, even if they pay some interest, uh, many times the inflation is higher than what the interest is getting paid out. So by the time, say, people put in $100,000 into uh, you know, a savings account, in five years' time, it'll only be worth seventy, eighty thousand. 80000 So in other words, people get interest, but, but even getting interest, they're going back. So, uh, but if you've got a savings scheme and you're happy with it, don't let me mess up your day. I'm just, I'm just saying. So, so we talk about people sometimes say, look, I'm, I'm going to put some money into, into this. And some people, uh, and, and, and what Vanessa and I have done is there's just no spare money. I mean, we're feeding four kids. We're sending them to private school. I'm the only one going out to work. I and mean, Vanessa did a bit of part-time work, but that's, how, that's the decision that we made. So we decided that we was going to borrow some money and put it into an, an, into a in this instance, it happened to be property in order to, in order to, to get ahead and to produce uh, uh, another stream of income. Uh, and so I'm saying all of these things, not to in any way suggest that we are any smarter than anybody else, but we are saying it's good to consider these things and it's good for young people to learn these things early uh, and other people can learn it later in life because your general population uh, doesn't know a lot about what we're discussing today, but there's always people people that will just find a way to produce another form of income and, uh, and keep the income going, uh, the, what they've got right now, and to add to it whatever that looks like. So an investment, a venture, uh, creating a storehouse, creating a passive income. What's the difference? And I'll close with this, uh, and then one more scripture and we're done. Uh, what's the difference between uh, what, what's sometimes called an active income and a passive income? An active income is the income that you get from your job where you work 30, 40, 50, 50, 60 hours in a particular job, that's your active income. Uh, you have to put in so many hours to get that much income coming out. Uh, but a passive income is something where you put some money into a venture and it produces an income uh, without you having to be there hours on end to kind of push it along. As I say, you, you, you manage it, you look after it uh, and everything, but it, it passively produces an income. And here's the deal. Uh, Working people work for money. Wealthy people get their money to work for them. And it's good for us to understand these concepts. Last scripture, Isaiah 48, verse 17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way that you should go. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.